I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Arts 96 FM and C103. The Arts House.
I'm so nostalgic for live music and like when we had the Stargazers live in studio, didn't we take it for granted? Listen, lads, you're listening to the Arts House on Corks 96 FM and C103. It's Elmerie Mon Connor Tallon with you until 10, reminiscing. That's from the Stargazers album, My Echo, My Shadow and Me. And big shout out to the lads for that track, Dancing in the Distance. I am so lonesome for live gigs, not online ones. <laughs> Oh, they're fantastic. A real one, a packed to the rafters because the place is heaving one. Meeting half a cork because you're out for the night and everyone's come in. And at some point, I guess, everyone ending up in the corner house on Coburg Street because the music is going to be class. And I know it from first hand. It always, always is. Anyway, Fergal McGowan and his family created an even bigger musical family. And musicians travel from all over Ireland to play, but the doors have been shut since last March. Now, there was an email that came into our inbox saying that a new series of concerts called Behind the Curtain was being launched by the Everyman in conjunction with Islander. And the first is to feature four-star trio being broadcast live from none other than the Corner House. So a whole family of music lovers around Cork are just so excited about this. And to introduce the gig is Fergal's daughter, Blaheen. So Anne-Marie buzzed her yesterday. Um, I just can't wait to play this. Sorry, just line it up. Here we go. I can't tell you how much joy there is in anticipating this gig. So how have ye been? Behind the curtain. Asha, we're delighted. Like, I mean, it was the Everman who got on to me, an Islander at the time, and they were kind of saying, look, we're just kicking about an idea. Like, uh, you know, we asked your dad how we felt about it. He was delighted. Uh, Would you be up for hosting it? And I was like, my living room. Like, if you if you get anyone else to host it, I am going to be so (laughs) salty. Like, but um, I don't know. I don't think it's hit me yet. I think it's kind of that. Like, um, you're you're really hoping that it that it happens and you're like so excited that you're like I'm not gonna let myself think about it for one moment like because if I think about the fact that I just get to have a session with the lads after having not seen them for probably the longest time in my entire life that I've gone without seeing them I'll just lose my mind like I won't sleep for a week. In one sense the thing is all your life you've known them like that's essentially it isn't it you've grown up with your parents having these incredible venues where you have just been surrounded by music because you were there from the start. Yeah, our whole lives. Like, yeah. even before I was born, sure, it was Ferg opened the Spalpeen in the 80s, like, with his um, his friend Fergus or something. And, like, he had that since he was in his 20s. I was in utero there. My brother was in <laughs> utero there. And, like... It'll just, it'll go to show like the level of care and love that the lads have for the music scene that like when they moved to the corner house, all of the musicians followed them. Like, yeah, they've been with us for like 30 years. Like, it's like a big kind of a homecoming moment, like, you know, and the fact that we get to actually um, bring people back into our house, into our living room, your living room is just... It already feels really cosy. Like, I'm sorry, I can't wait to do it. But also, I suppose, from a tech point of view, the learning curve that we've all had in this last year. I mean, we're chatting on Zoom. I didn't know what that was 12 months ago. (laughs) None of us did. Well, a few people did. But only if you were doing transatlantic business or you had family in New Zealand or something. The rest of us were oblivious because we could just take it for granted that, you know, you park the car somewhere on Coburg Street and McCarthy Street, toddle away in and there's always good music. And we never had to think about this. And the Corner House is one of those really, really, really special bars where talk and conversation and music Live music mm. is what's number one. It's it's this. I don't know. Have I ever actually been there with the television on? I know there is a television there, but I've never actually seen it on. If mm. the radio is on, it's like, you know, something that people can chat to. And it's somewhere where communication and connection, connection, I think, is the word I'm searching for there, Blahine, isn't it? Like, yeah. that's the, the heart of what it is. So the neighborhood where like in yeah. the city, you know, and it kind of I think you. Like there are generations of people now who would have grown up in the pub with me who are bringing their kids into the pub. Like, and you just, you don't get that in a big city really. Like, do you know what I mean? The lads kind of made it home. Like, and cause it was mine and my brother's home. Like we were literally reared there. Like, so, do you know, it's got that level of like comfort in your kitchen, in your house, in your friend's house. So you can all just come and meet up here 
But like, <laughs> it's funny you say, like conversation and chats is like 100% of the deal. But like <laughs> the music as well, like the music oh. just supersedes that. Like if you are chatting too loud and there is a gig happening, you will get spoken to like <laughs> you, you will people will be having words like. yes there is like respect for the music there is no musician yeah. who is ever there to create a background ambience you know people come for the music that's the thing yeah. but what I got to slightly distracted from was talking about the tech behind this gig because we've gone from not knowing what Zoom is to recording concerts that will be broadcast at a later date or be put up on YouTube at a later date and that goes happens for all sorts of technical reasons. You're going straight in with live live. <laughs> oh stop like. hats off. I just <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's 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 ballsy but it's brilliant. So yeah. what are the plans? <laughs> Girl <laughs> you're asking a larger question than you realise. But like it's baptism of fire kind of thing. Like do you know yeah. what I mean? You're we're just going to have to figure it out. Like, um, it's kind of fortunate for me, like, because I'll just be introducing it and then I'll kind of have the chats and ask them a few bits about themselves. Like, and what's kind of very handy about me is that because I was born there, I was never introduced to anyone. Everyone just knows that I'm Glaheen. Oh, yes. Glaheen, how are you getting on? How's your mum? I haven't seen you since you were this high. How's school going? I heard you had an exam. Like, and they know everything about me, but I never actually get to be like, I'm sorry, who are you? What's your name? That's I'm so true. Before. Like you're Heineken. That's that's who you are to me. Like, so it's kind of it's, it's you're Heineken of a Wednesday at half past six. Yeah. And you sit next to the Beamish and you and the Beamish seem to know, know each other. And like, so it's wow. really good. Like I actually get a chance, like these people that I know so well that I would like trust with my life that I would ring for a favor at any moment of any day. I actually get to be like, so what's your life? How did you get here? How do you know? Like, what's your real name, Herring? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So that'll be really cool. It'll be doubly kind of homecoming for me. And uh, I'll get to cover up the fact that I actually have never known anything about them. <laughs> I know, significant. actually, I think what that actually reinforces in a small way, Blahine, is the idea of family. It's like, you know, grandchildren with their grandparents. They're just granny and granddad. You don't actually delve into family history yeah. in every conversation because it's family and you're not having to get to know somebody if they're already in your family. So yeah. this is it. So like it's, it's very exciting. It's a like you said, uh, an everyman and Islander partnership as well for this. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's tremendous. It's, it's a really exciting thing to happen. Uh, I love the idea of going behind the curtain, but it's more than that. You've made a reference a couple of times to the fact that it is practically your sitting room. It is your home. And so we're looking forward to sitting down. I hope the fire is lighting. I don't expect <laughs> you to have a uh, crossword photocopy at first this time. We might photocopy one ourselves just to <laughs> oh, do it like <laughs> the authentic experience. I know it's, it's just a pleasure talking to you and really you know, fantastic anticipation ahead of this and wishing you all the very best with it. Oh, likewise, girl. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to have you all back now. Back in our arms when we're all nice and vaccinated. But um, for now, this will be a really lovely, lovely compromise. Such a pleasure to talk to Blaine McGowan there. That concert is going to be on this coming Friday, the 2nd of April at 8 o'clock. What a lineup. I mean, you're going to have Ono Rievig on the Illum Pipes, Father Odrish Goyle, who'll play the box, and of course is going to sing some of his incredible songs. You're going to have Pat Herringahern on guitar and bazooki, and Johnny McCarthy, who'll be on fiddle and flute, flute and flute, flute and <laughs> singing as well. The four star trio just something else something else then this coming Friday night 8 o'clock that's a free concert by the way so if you want to find out uh, about it or if you want to log in then simply go to the Everyman Theatre website and you'll be looking for that concert Musical Mastery live from the Corner House session Behind the Curtain brilliant stuff
Saturdays on 96fm.ie we bring you the excitement of the Premier League. Trevor Welch is back with Premier League Live on Saturday, April 3rd, powered by TalkSport. So get all the pre-match analysis, live commentary, exclusive interviews and post-match breakdowns. The Premier League Live Online with Now. Stream all the action from Sky Sports with the Now Sports membership. Listen Saturdays on Cork's 96FM app or go to 96fm.ie. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. And you're very welcome back to the programme. It's 22 minutes past nine. The clocks went forward last night. Elmarie Moe and Connor Tallon here in studio with you until 10. Some great guests still to come. In fact, I'm going to bring you part four now of this gorgeous delving into the history of Cork series that Connor has been doing with Emma Bull and Eddie Noonan of Frameworks Films. We noticed that they were celebrating their 21st anniversary last year and know that they have created the most incredible archive of Cork history and I know there will be a lot of interest in today's episode. In the past few weeks, in the company of Emma Bowell and Eddie Noonan, we've been following the story of over two decades of Frameworks films as they tell the stories of the lives and times of Blackpool, the Sunbeam Factory, the livelihoods of stonemasons in Set in Stone, and this week it's the turn of Ford's Memories of the Line. Emma explained how people were now coming to them to tell their stories because of the way they worked. You were approached to tell this story from the ground up, because you were starting to get a reputation at this stage that Frameworks was the kind of company that was very collaborative. We've always loved that approach where people might come to us with an idea or, or a story that they'd like to tell. Mm. And, you know, we, we bring our kind of experience of filmmakers and, and they bring their stories and their expertise of, of their lives of whatever they've been doing. And it's very much a kind of a, a joint process then of, of kind of teasing out the idea how we're going to tell it. Sometimes those people might appear in the film itself, but they, they would go right through the whole process with us, right through to the editing of the film and, you know, sit in the, the edit studio with us and shape the final piece to be sure then that at the very end of it, you know, the people are happy that, look, this is, this is our story, this is what we wanted to tell. And, you know, there's a sense of ownership then at the end of it. Yeah. So in this case... We were approached by Bill Daly, who had worked in Fords for many years. And Bill was also a, a very good photographer. Luckily, he had taken a beautiful set of black and white photographs in Fords, particularly in the last years before it closed down. Yeah. And he had sort of put these away and forgotten about them to some extent. And then in 2017 was the centenary of the foundation of Fords in Cork. 2017, there was a lot of focus about Henry Ford and all of that. Yes. You know, which was, which was great. He kind of got out his collection again and, and sort of went through it and thought, you know, this, I'd love to do something with these. And I'd love to tell the story of the men who worked in Fords and, you know, just what their experience was like, because that hadn't really been told very much at that stage. So he approached us and, and that's how this whole project began. Eddie, when you started to interview the men, I suppose, they were telling you about the benefits, the job security, what it was like to work for Fords. It was much sought after, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was one of the, the best paid jobs in Cork City at the time. If you got a job in Fords, you were, you know, you were earning good money. If you got a job in Fords, it was like a job for life. You know, that was your, your pension. It was more than just a job for life. There was also a Ford philosophy as well. And you were brought into the Ford family. Henry Ford always maintained that um, by increasing pay, you got better workers. And it was true. You had regular pay, you had regular overtime, you had pension. And it was, you thought if you went in there at 18, you expected to be there until you retired. Security. That was the, that was the main thing. It, it, it was uh, obviously one of the best jobs in Cork. Um, that was the main thing for security. Uh, but then you became part of the Ford family. Uh, took about six months maybe before you got into that into that kind of grip. Like, and then once you're part of the family, uh, and even to this day, you still meet your colleagues from Fords, and they they were they're, you know it's 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 like a, it's like a big Ford family. 
Now, I suppose a job for life is one thing. And Eddie, you have that experience yourself. The thought of working in one job for life could either be a good thing or a bad thing. That's right. I remember when I left school, I think one of my first big job was in CIE up in Capwell Garage as a messenger boy. And I remember my grandfather saying to me, uh, that's, a, that's a good pensionable job. And I was only 15 at the time and I was just thinking, what, I'm going to be in here for the rest of my life? <laughs> So in Fords, there was ways and means of making the job interesting, wasn't there? That's right. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, the work was hard and, you know, it, it was an assembly line. So the cars kept coming and people talk about that sort of, there was always that pressure of the, the next car to do. So the work was hard and depending on where you were, it could be very monotonous in mm-hmm. some cases. In other parts, you know, more varied. But I think what what made it so enjoyable and such a great place to work for so many of the men was the kind of the the crack that went on, the camaraderie. And, you know, there was a huge amount of social clubs there as well. You know, people, depending on what you were interested in, if it was sports or if it was maybe photography, like in Bill's case, or the tops of the towns was a huge thing that that, uh, Fords every year would get a group together. And and from the sounds of things and some of the photographs of the the nights in the pub before and after sometimes, it, it was great fun altogether. Well, there was every sport was catered for. There was the, the soccer club, the GA club, golf club, pigeon put club, bowling club. There was tops of the town. Tops of the town was um, was uh, a commercial thing run by players, cigarettes. That was great fun. That came up every year. Like we were talking last week in Set in Stone, there was a similar practice inside of Fords where people had a lot of nicknames for each other. Before we get around to that, there's a great story about a particular type of shop steward who gained a bit of a name for himself. <laughs> That's right. I suppose there were one or two strikes at the time and <laughs> in one particular strike there was a fairly militant guy who took extreme measures to uh, maybe stop things happening. There was another shop steward who shall remain nameless. Uh, he was uh, he, he was fairly militant gentleman. And we were uh, there was a picket outside the gate one day, and there was this 18-wheel truck came down delivering uh, parts to Fords. And he lay down in front of the truck, and he looked up at the driver and he said, "Roll over me now, and you're a dead man." So, <laughs> so there was things like that, you know. Um, it, was, it was hilarious that, that, that you know um, everybody. The nicknames there were the Paris. He was a great man to talk. He'd talk and talk and talk all day. Then the parrot's son got a job in Fords, and he was called the Spadgy. <laughs> there was uh, balls of flour. There was shoulder of bacon. There was the quiet man, lovely man he was too. Well, of all the names they gave each other, one of them was the most notorious, and Jerry the Cock got a name because of one particular skill that he had. Do you want to give us a hint as to what that might have been? <laughs> yeah, I think he, he, he used to impersonate a cock, and that was his party piece. <laughs> and I think Michael Lennon tells that story really well. The one person I have to remember was Johnny the Cock. He was the first man I met as a, work, as a workmate, and he was a very, very nice man. He was a very innocent man, funnily enough. And the reason he was called Johnny the Cock was he always maintained he could do the perfect sound of a cock crying out. He would say like that the the the, the cocks in the, the model farm like weren't weren't useless like they weren't they, they were no good like they hadn't a clue. And he was the he was the one like you know and he then he'd start singing. And of course there was a fierce ribbing over this, and the big occasion then would have been Christmas. Jerry would take to the stage. They'd make up a stage for Jerry, and he'd have a makeshift microphone. And weren't all hanging out of it and this big and Jolly would start singing Puppet on the String. Now, Jolly thought he was a great singer, but Jerry hadn't a note in his head. And Jolly would start and then he'd hold the note, but if you could call it a note, or else he'd do the, the cock and he'd hold the note there. And the whole place would go ballistic. The people from the trim line would come, the chassis, the whole factory. Can you imagine 600 people and they're coming over to see Jolly the cock like? The man had the note in his head, like, banging tools, banging dustbin lids, anything to make noise, like, a big chair, 
and Johnny was the star of the show. It was just magic, absolutely. So they put him into a talent competition in the Savoy at one stage, and they, to win the competition, uh, it was done on the, the, the clapometer system, where the, the loudest clap would win the competition. Johnny the Cock came out to do his party piece, which was imitate a cock. The audience was absolutely 60-70% full of Ford workers and he got the most rousing applause and he won the competition. Now, I suppose it wasn't something that could last forever and I suppose it goes down in history the day that Ford's, and I suppose was at Dunlop's as well, they all went... Did they see the writing on the wall? Well, it was varied, you know. It was really interesting. Some people said they, they, they knew it was coming and there were kind of rumours months beforehand. Well, we knew... We knew... Things were not good. There was constant rumours that the factory was going to close. Now, it has been said like that this was done by Fords. has been kind of like the rumours about the rumours that this was kind of circulated to prepare people that, you know, it wasn't going to last forever. But when it actually came, I'd have to say the morning that I heard about the closure. Didn't expect it. And then for other people, it just seemed to have been an absolute bombshell. They hadn't a notion and they were all called up to, I think it was the canteen. And, you know, it was just massive. The impact of it was absolutely massive. Um, You know, as you say, we we talked about Sunbeam in one of the previous episodes with you and Dunlops, as you you said. The Rome Dockyard as well was another big one. All over the city and, and to happen in, you know, the 80s, which was a very bleak time in Cork, really... You know, even though this was many years later that we were making this, yeah. you could still sense the, the, the feelings that the men had for the place and just, you know, the devastation at the closure. I had no idea. And I, just a thing doesn't dawn on me that the place it does, I didn't think it could, it would. I never knew, never had any inkling whatsoever that, that Fords were closing. And and if if I heard, I wouldn't have believed it because I couldn't see this this fantastic workplace going. It started in the body shop. So the body shop was where the whole thing started. And bit by bit, like, there was less cars coming out. So where you had ten cars an hour, it started with nine, eight. And as the weeks went by, it was maybe one car on its own, just moving along, creaking along in the lines. And it moving its way then into the paint shop and up into the trim line. Of course, we had, we had absolutely nothing to do. We were waiting for the car to come to work on it, like. And it was really a real death knell of a plant, like. A plant that was so busy, that was so prosperous, that was everything was happening inside. And the, the buzz was always there. There was always noise and machinery. There was people chattering, stuff being done. And then all of a sudden, there was just one car, one solitary car. Until eventually, there was absolutely none. There was not a car to be seen. And you were just looking at the chains moving. And there was nothing there. It was gone. So no wonder that it would eventually make its way into song. And we've got Jimmy Crowley to thank for that, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. Jimmy wrote a song about Fords. Oh, come back, Henry Ford, to our land. When you were there, you gave us a helping hand But now we're out of labour We got no checks of paper That you used to shout, Henry Ford And you came from Detroit, Henry Ford The country boys came too, Henry Ford But now we're on the rumpers We're scrounging for our suppers Oh, come back again Henry Ford For when you forsake us All the pubs forsook us Oh come back again Henry Ford Since you shut down Henry Ford And then kind of concludes with Gus McLaughlin singing a song as well But truth to tell I'm wearing well And knocking out every times But time moves on our friends are gone, and the songs of the night will pass. So we'll drink to our health, tis our only wealth, 
when they're putting us out on grass. Well, we leave the last word to Gus McLaughlin and the lads. You managed to get the story told from the ground up, from its beginning to its highs, to its humours, to its nicknames and to the eventual demise of, of the Ford story. But it's great that the story has been told by Frameworks Films. People can actually watch this story being retold again if they want to by going online. Isn't that right, Emma? That's right. We've begun to archive some of our collection. We've developed a YouTube channel. So if people want to go over to our website, which is www.frameworksfilms.com, and from there you can click on a link to our YouTube channel and and slowly but surely we're adding all of the various films that we've worked on over the years to the channel. So we'd love if people would like to see the full piece and hear more of the men's experience to to go over there and, and have a look at it. It's called Ford's Memories of the Line. Memories brought to life again by Frameworks Films. All I can do is thank... Thank you, Emma, and thank you, Eddie, for just devoting yourselves to stories that need to be told and retold, stories that might have been otherwise lost. And I suppose that's the story of Frameworks. And we'll continue following this every week. There is many more to be told. Cheers, lads. Thanks again. Thanks, Connor. Thanks again. Oh my goodness, I can't get over uh, that story about your man who's basically Cork's answer to Florence Foster Jenkins. (laughs) 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 Oh, just the camaraderie, the family, you know, the memories. And you you hear the sadness, you just know the sadness uh, at the loss of that. Uh, So we're going to play a piece now from the soundtrack to The Quiet Man uh, in honour of everyone who, not, not just... The, the, the quiet man, man himself, <laughs> but for for all, I suppose, who uh, had their lives quieted as a result of the closure. size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quartz 96 FM and C103. The Arts House. Put my life on hold, waiting round for you And now you sail the seven seas And what am I to do? And do you think of me out there? Are you coming home? Or did you pack a single care And setting out alone? of you there bobbing like a cork upon the sea oh are you dead or living boy won't you come on back to me Love that album. That is, of course, Emma Langford there, the album Sewing Acorns. That particular track, Sailor's Wife, was in my head yesterday because we were chatting about, of course, the whole shenanigans in the Suez Canal. But if you haven't got Emma's album, Sewing Acorns, in your collection, that's a big gap musically, you know, and you should get it and you can get it on Bandcamp. And if you're going to buy music online, really what we would say to you all the time here on a Sunday is try and buy either directly from the artists themselves or through websites like Bandcamp rather than just going on Spotify or iTunes or whatever because they don't earn money from those. So, But if you buy them from Bandcamp, especially this coming Friday, which is Bandcamp Friday, the first Friday of every month, uh, Bandcamp waives its fees and practically all of the money that you spend on the album is actually going to go to the artist. So support our Irish singer-songwriters, especially our Cork singer-songwriters and our female singer-songwriters and I highly recommend that album 
from Emma Langford sewing acorns. In fact, I have another suggestion for you next because you know we love hunting down new music by Cork artists, whether they're still here at home or not. The very first show we did actually in lockdown last year featured Martin de Cogoyne from Carrigaline because he's been living in the States for years with his wife Mitra and he had done online concerts before they were everything here. So we were picking his brains because it was all new to us at this time last year. Yeah, well, last month he released a new single and it's a song that's... well. Perfect for waltzing around the kitchen, oh, yeah. whether on your own or with your dance partner. Anyway, when Elmarie zoomed him yesterday to chat, he was telling her that not only is it a good old-fashioned romantic song, it happens to be true. That's right, yeah. It's about my wife's granny. She lives in Topeka, Kansas now. Her name is Patricia Hoblin. And she grew up in Queens, uh, New York, you know, in a very different world where, um, you know, it was all that romantic era of the 30s and 40s. And just in the early 50s, she met her husband in a place called Nyack, New York, which is up the river, maybe two hours drive down from the city. If you're going a very small town, she was at a friend's house. And there he was. He was back from Alaska. He was an airman, first class. I think he was um, a civil engineer in the Air Force. And he was doing his training up in Alaska and he came back for his two weeks break and went to this party and that was it. They met at a party. I think he was about 23 and she was 18. Wow. And they wrote to each other and that was it. There was no turning back after that. It's amazing. I love romantic stories. I love romantic meetings and all that sort of thing. But I suppose when you conjure up the image of New York in the 50s, um, let's face it, it's nothing like my experience or your experience other than watching something in the movies. So I danced at your wedding to the beautiful Mitra. I presume this story of how her grandparents met is part of her family lore and it's a story that's often told. Well, I don't know was it really. So Pat, she, she backed my um, DVD of Cork, my musical travelogue of Cork from Cork with Love. And um, the reward of the Kickstarter was that I'd write her a song. So I sat down with her here in San Diego and I said, tell me your story, Pat. Come on, I have to write the song. Yeah. So we just chatted for a long time and she, I said, well, where did you meet Fred? And she told me all about him. And I met Fred. The first time I met Fred actually was in Cork in Castle White. Mitra was going to UCC and they came to visit her. And they travelled all over the world. Like They'd been to every continent. It's amazing. But... Um, yeah, she just sat down and told me the story. And I don't know that a lot of her family maybe know the full extent or the finer details of it, which is lovely to have now kind of been closed in a song, you know. Mm. They were a great couple. And he was in the military then for a long time. They raised three kids and he'd be just, he'd be gone for years. He went uh, to the Korean War. They were in Germany for a while. They were in England for a couple of ventures. And they were all over the States and settled down in Topeka, Kansas. Besides capturing her in a song. Tell me about Mitra's granny. She's tough out, you know. Um, she had to raise three lively kids with her husband gone for a couple of years, you know. And she came from a big family and she was a twin, one of nine, I think. And her brother, Bob, actually was a great artist. He used to do a lot of the prosthetic designs for the military. So he was sent to an art school, which was very forward thinking for someone in a very kind of... I, you know, it wouldn't have been a very affluent part of New York. And um, her mother saw something in Bob and sent him off to art school. And so he used to design all the hands and legs for the military afterwards. Wow. But she's she's a fascinating woman. She grew up in New York and she used to go in on the train to the movies, to the Nickelodeon. You'd pay a nickel to watch the movie, like, you know, and come back. And they used to call her mother, all of her sisters call her mother, you know, because she'd look after all of them. She was the oldest by about half an hour, I think. And um, uh, she was, you know, very, very steadfast. She's always kind of got a very true line of what she sees needs to be done mm. and very little wavering from that, like, you know, but full of crack <laughs> at the same time. Well, I suppose it's just that so much of the songs that you would sing would be Irish music, Celtic music, songs that we would know going back generations, as well as newer songs from Irish singer-songwriters and the whole Celtic-American songbook that has also grown up. But it must be very different for the whole family then to find someone that they know so intimately and that story that they know captured in a song and, and sung like this. So what's the reaction in the family been like? 
like to having their, uh, sure, their mum? They all kind of loved it, like, and she passed it around to all her sisters. I made a rough old demo of it. Uh, but now that it's kind of encapsulated, it just happened by pure chance. Uh, I was doing a gig for this crowd called Tune Supply out of New York who do a lot of online pay-per-view only concerts. And it was a Valentine's Day concert. And I asked Gabriel Donahue, who's a magician on most instruments, to join in with me. And Gabe is in Maine, which is about three and a half thousand miles away. And he said, no problem. Uh, I played with Gabe um, with the Chieftains and with Cherish the Ladies. And we did a couple of gigs together as ourselves. But um, Gabe then put guitar and bazooki and mandolin and some bowron on it. And he's got his studio up there and he mixed and mastered it. And he said, you know, you should have a think about throwing this one out. It's pretty good. So we gave it to the tune supply and the concert went out. And then I sent it around to a few people and said, yeah, you should you should let it go. And the big Irish radio station then, Ciol Goyle in New York, were the ones that launched it on St. Valentine's Day, which was very exciting, too, for the people of New York. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. And like like that now, um, part of the song is, is part of our lives here all the time because the wedding ring that Fred gave to Pat... Pat gave to me, and I gave it to Mitra, on a deserted island in Fiji many years ago. She has Pat's wedding ring, and I tell you what, you know, she's a steadfast woman, and like she's full of crack, but like she doesn't leave anything go. I remember being frozen in Carrigaline one time. No, myself and Mitra had an Irish engagement, like you know, building up to the engagement. We were going out for years All before right, okay. we got engaged, <laughs> and uh, I got an email saying. You can have my wedding ring. Let me know when you need it. That's what Pat <laughs> said to me. Like, I no froze. proposal or a bit yet. I totally froze, like, and closed the computer and walked away. That's the kind of Irish response to that. Anyway, but yeah, and you know, Mitra's uh, was, granny knew you were the right guy, though. So. Yeah, yeah, and she knew it was time. She knew it was time, and <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. We Mitra had um, when she was studying. She had um, she had a term to spend in New Zealand. And doing a rotation down there. So we flew from Minnesota. Oh, no, it was from Kansas. We flew from Kansas. She was just finishing medical school. And we went to Hawaii and met her granny in Hawaii with her sister. She used to go to Hawaii every year for a month, like. Dead right. Hilarious. Dead right, yeah, out of the depths of winter in Kansas. (laughs) And we did the exchange there. She gave me the ring. And then I had the ring with me for six weeks as we traveled around New Zealand and Australia. And at the end of the kind of sojourn we went to Fiji and I proposed to her there and she yeah. in turn then became your princess that's the thing that's right yeah that's, that's thing, it yeah. Martin it's the most romantic story and I'm glad the romance continues both in gesture and in the rings but also in the song we're going to listen to it now she was the princess of queens Fell in love in her teens A brown-eyed young brunette With her hair in a bonnet And he was the man of her dreams She was the princess of queens Back from his Alaskan parade To a party in Nyack Easterade where he spied this young maiden At a friend's house she'd stayed in And knew his own match had been made Yes, he knew his own match had been made For she was the princess of queens Fell in love in her teens A brown-eyed young brunette With her hair in a bonnet And he was the man of her dreams She was the princess of queens A man of just twenty-three At first sight a devout devotee When he left her for Orangeburg She took him there at his word And long-distance riders they'd be Long-distance riders they'd be She was the princess of queens Fell in love in her teens A brown-eyed young brunette with her hair in a bonnet And he was the man of her dreams 
She was the princess of queens At twenty-one she said she'd marry She'd no interest in a William or a Harry They went off and saw the world Brought up two boys and a girl And lived for each other and the three Yes, they lived for each other and the three She was the princess of queens Fell in love in her teens A brown-eyed young brunette with her hair in a bonnet And he was the man of her dreams She was the princess of queens Well, if you like that song, you can find Martine de Cogoin on Bandcamp as well. But that's about it from us until uh, next Sunday. There's so much we covered on the programme this morning and I know lots of you probably missed what was going on earlier on because we were all still in bed because the clocks went forward. So um, I will, I promise, get around to putting the podcast up hopefully by 2pm today and you'll be able to catch up on everything. So don't forget you need to book ahead now for those concerts in the Triskel, that divine Mozart uh, series that Fanula was telling us about earlier on and also... The live session that's going to take place in the Everyman as well from the Corner House you can book that during the week it won't cost you anything but just get yourself in the door totally free and uh, like I said lots and lots and lots will be in the podcast again later on especially if you want to listen back to the story of the Ford factory in Cork and don't forget this coming Friday is Band Camp Friday support our Cork singer-songwriters especially our female ones give them all a dig out this week and we'll talk to you again next Sunday Corks 96 FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes. Griffin's new chipping potatoes are specially grown to make the perfect homemade chip. Fluffy inside and crunchy outside. Now in store. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.